Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening and good afternoon, folks. I am Fred Houston, and welcome to another edition of the Stone and Tile Show. Uh, a couple of announcements before we get to our interviewee. Uh, here in a few minutes. First of all, I want to say I still have some of these stickers left, the Stone and Tile Show stickers. Uh, if you go ahead and send me, uh, email me your mailing address, I'll put a couple of them in the mail to you. Uh, and then what I'm going to do is we're going to give away a $500 value prize uh, probably sometime in March, which is only a few days away, actually. Uh, so go ahead and do that. Uh, I need a picture of where, the, where you put the sticker, whether it's on your truck, your toolbox, or wherever and please keep it r-rated if you can or i should say g-rated if you can uh also uh another announcement that my uh two of my seminars are going to be back to back coming up in june i'm going to be holding them here in florida first of all i'm going to hold the inspection and troubleshooting class stone and tile inspection and troubleshooting class june 15th through the 18th in deberry florida and right after that i'm going to have a one day historic stone and tile restoration seminar. So I know I've been getting a lot of requests uh, for you guys out there that want to get into historic work. So uh, after we get done with the interview here today, I'm going to expand a little bit more on that, what it's going to cover or whatever. So in the meantime, uh, we're going to get uh, Kyle Heaton in here in a second after I read his introduction. Uh, but um, if you have any questions at all, you want to call in and ask either I or Kyle a question. The phone number is 323 eight seven zero three nine six eight again that's three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight and of course you can always shoot me an instant message on facebook i have that open here on my computer just go to stone forensics and go to messenger and uh one should pop up right on my screen or send me an email and the email again is f houston that's f h u E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. All right, so let me introduce Kyle here. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Heaton, hopefully I'm pronouncing your name right, uh, joined the flooring industry in 2015. After a short career in reality television, working on such shows as Property Words, Swars, 90 Day Fiance, and Teen Mom OG. Uh, with a growing family, family and a desire to want to see his children grow up, he left the world of television. Igniting an old passion for middle school and high school doing woodworking, Kyle could, would cold call 30 wood flooring contractors asking for an apprenticeship. Two of the contractors called him back, and he was on his way. In 2018, Illustrious Hardwood Floors was licensed by the state of Arizona. He was on his way as an entrepreneur. With a passion for continuing education and to own a business and not a job, Kyle is working towards lifting up the industry and building a successful team around him. Now, uh, you'll notice that Kyle is not a stone and tile guy, but that's okay because I think some of the things we're going to be talking about today are going to actually apply to anyone in any of the uh, the trades. So let me go ahead and get Kyle in here. And Kyle, are you there? 
I am, Fred. Thank you for having hey. me. Oh, no problem. How are you doing today? How's the weather out there in Arizona? <laughs> uh, it's beautiful. I have no complaints. I, I spent 12 Good. years in the Midwest, so uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I'm in Florida, so we're having a little bit of rain today, but we were 84 degrees, so it's really cool. Well, you know, you and I had talked, Kyle, uh, you know, uh, in uh, on email anyway, a couple of days ago. And, you know, a couple of the things that I want to talk about. And, and one of the things that is actually apparently a pet peeve of yours, but also is a pet peeve of mine. And that is what uh, you called in early. Uh, I didn't start the show early because I can't because of the spots, but I was sitting here early. Well, let's talk a little bit about about being late, about being early. And, and you know, as it applies to not only when a customer calls you and you have an appointment, but also to your employees. So what's your thoughts there? Well, I'll, I'll say this. My mother is horrible at time management and growing up, we were <laughs> half an hour late anywhere. And to this day, I have to tell her my kids' birthday parties are an hour earlier than they are. And she's still late. So <laughs> I've got very frustrated at a young age with that. And I never liked it. So being on time is like, huge to me. But now that I've grown up, I've realized that, you know, time is, is a valuable resource and you only have so much of it. So if I tell you I'm going to do something and be there at a certain time, I need to end, I need to own up to my end of the bargain and make it happen. Um, you know, and then it's just a, it's, it's a respect thing. If you tell someone you're going to be there at four, be there at four. If you're going to be late, call them and let them know. If you need to cancel, cancel. Don't just, the minute you start ghosting people and you're not communicating, is when they lose respect for you. Yep. Absolutely. So, I remember when I was, uh, yeah. <clears throat> I remember when I was contracting, one of the things that always surprised me is that I'd, I'd go to a customer's house. I'd, you know, say I had to be there at nine o'clock in the morning. I'd show up a few minutes early and uh, knock at the door at nine o'clock. And they, they would always, not always, but I, mean, I couldn't believe the majority of the time a customer would tell me, well, I'm glad to see you showed up. The other two guys I called never even showed up, never even called. So uh, I think you hit on a, yeah. a good point there. And it's it's not just, you know, arriving a few minutes early. You know, it gives you a chance to get all your stuff together. You're going to be able to prepare yourself to go in. You're not constantly rushing and, and missing things. And then the, the other thing I, you know, um, I, I've been told that too. Like I've gotten jobs because I showed up on time, whereas the other guys were late. Right. So it, it, if I can show up on time to the estimate, then I'm probably going to show up on time when I'm doing your job. And I'm probably going to be able to keep a timetable when I give you a timetable. Like there's so much exactly. more that can be seen from arriving on time than just arriving on time. Exactly. So what, so what about, what about your health? You know, the, your, your employees, I mean, are you hard on them when they don't show up on time? Or you know, I know I I know I've had guys that would constantly show up late, and I'm not talking two or three minutes late. I'm talking, you know, thirty minutes, an hour late, without even a phone call. And that really pisses me off, to put it bluntly. <laughs> yeah, I've had so I've had two guys work under me. Um, the one that's with me now, Brad, has been an amazing apprentice. Um, the the first guy, that's why I let him go is he was constantly showing up late. He actually no called or what do you do? I called him like six hours into the day on a Monday, one day. And then the next week we were doing something and it was like 30 minutes before he reached out and said, Oh shoot, I'm going to be late. And then there was another time. And I was like, man, that's three strikes. You're out. 
when my my new apprentice Brad started under me, I told him, "Look, man, we start at seven o'clock. That doesn't mean you roll up in your car at seven a.m. and you're getting your tools out of your trunk and you're walking up to the door and you got to take off your coat and put on your work shirt. Like we start at seven. That means we're in the client's house at seven and we're working. And he's been there's there's been a couple times like he's a few minutes late and stuff and and I can let that slide because the performance has shown in other areas. So I you know yeah absolutely it, to me it's it's a big deal like if I'm gonna if you want to get in your eight hours man you got to be there you got to be there eight hours and you got to be hustling I'm not gonna stay late because you showed up late. You know it's 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 funny I'm exactly the same way and you know one of the things that that really I don't understand is, uh, is going to the doctor. I, I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have been to the doctor and our appointments at, you know, whatever, nine o'clock in the morning, you get there at eight forty-five cause they tell you to be there 15 minutes early and you wait an hour, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, and you, you would think that that business would not to get off the subject, but you think that would business would follow, you know, a, a, along with, you know, the, the construction trades. I mean, you know, being on time is is everything. And you're probably one of those guys like me that shows up to the airport three or four hours before your flight. Are you? <laughs> uh, the airport, I, I like to roll the dice. Um, I, after oh, no. traveling so much for reality television, <laughs> uh-huh. I got it down pretty well to where I only live 15 minutes from the Phoenix airport. And I know it usually only takes about 30 to 45 minutes to get through security. So I'll I'll roll in about an hour and a half before my flight, knowing that I'm only going to take like, you know, 30 minutes to get through there and sit around for like an hour or, or less. I try and keep it real close with the airport, but I, I've gone through it so many times. I Everything's out of my pockets before I even get in line, like stuff in a bag. I just have my ID in my hand. Like I, I'm that guy. Like I've just traveled so much that I'm just like, okay, this is easy. Then I look at everybody yep. else and figure out why they can't get the system down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll throw a tip out there for you guys out there that that travel, uh, or even if you don't travel that often, man. I, I tell you that TSA pre-check thing is a, a lifesaver. I was at the airport going to Vegas a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the line was out the door. There were three people in a TSA line. <laughs> yeah. So it's like uh, definitely definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. It is worth. Let's, yeah, it's worth the money if you can get it. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, you know, we talked about helpers, and I want to kind of concentrate on that a little bit today as well, because, you know, this is a lot of contractors out there, regardless of the the trade you're into, have this issue. Now, I don't know what it's like in Arizona, but in Florida, when I ran my construction company, help was so hard to find. Uh, We're we're a right-to-work state. We don't have unions, at least in my trade, we didn't have unions, and uh, it was a real, real bear, so... You know, what, what kind of tips can you give the folks out there when it comes to, well, I mean, it's such a wide subject. Let, let's start with what to look for when you're hiring, hiring a helper. Okay. Well, see, that, that's where I'm going to, I'm going to have beef right, right off the bat with you. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way, Fred, because it's, it's an oh, industry sure. problem. You, you call yep. them a helper. Where can a helper go? That's, you, if you want a helper, you want somebody that's going to be able to open the box for you and put some material down. So do you want a helper or do you want someone that's going to become an installer, someone that's going to learn the trade and have room to grow? So let's get an apprentice and and let's give them that name from day one. So we show them a little bit of respect and you give them 
a position to grow into. You're going to go from apprentice to installer to lead mechanic or mechanic, whatever you want to call them, journeyman. But there's, you know, you can hit different levels along your way. You have something to work for. As a helper, I don't feel they have any room to grow. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I mean, that, that's, that's something I've never really considered, and that, that's, that's kind of a good point. You know, not only that, I think, it, I think it helps with motivating the employee as well. Definitely. And then just as for finding guys, I'll, I'll be honest. I did, the, I, I did something that I don't think anybody would ever want to do. So I was in a networking group at the time, and I was making my weekly presentation. And instead of promoting my business, I said, hey, guys, I need some help. I want a kid that's 18 to 24, lives at home with his mom and dad, doesn't have a job, plays video games all the time, um, just needs to get mom and dad off their back, and, like, if they work part-time, it's okay. But, you know, they have a pulse, and that's, that's who I got. So Brad is an amazing kid. He's 20, he turned 21 with me last June, so he's almost 22 now. Um, he has recently moved out on his own. So he kind of needs more hours, but I'm still in this part of growing my business where it's like part-time to full-time, mostly full-time, but he shows up, he works hard and he's willing to learn. And that's the key is, you know, you never know where you're going to find somebody. And so, yeah, I kind of asked for a slacker, but that's not really what I was asking for. I was asking for someone that was willing to grow with my company and, and needed to be molded, needed a role model, needed something to strive for in life. So. You know, and you bring up you, you bring up an excellent point because one of the things I discovered, and I'm not the only one that discovered that, is that I would get the guy, you know, let's say I was looking for some, some employees and, you know, you put an ad, you know, back in the day, we'd, of course, you would add the newspaper. We didn't have the, you know, the Internet. Now, now I'm aging yeah. myself. But anyway, regardless, and guys would show up, guys would show up and they would say, oh, man, I've got, you know, 10 years experience, five years experience, 15 years experience. And, and let me see if you find, found the same issue. I didn't want that guy. I didn't want the guy with experience. And the reason I didn't want him is because I, I ended up teaching, uh, unteaching him. His habits, his bad habits, I should say. Yes, you find that same same type of a experience. That's yeah. I, that's what I hear from a lot of guys. That's why I, why I haven't hired somebody with experience yet. I would love to if I can get my company where I need it to be, so I can hop out and do more sales and making sure we're booking jobs more and keep a crew busy. I would consider hiring somebody, but I would have to find that right somebody because that's exactly what I don't want to go through is having to break those bad habits and say, you know, when my name's on the job for the company, I'm in there. And even if I'm having a bad day, I have to do right by my client when they're having a bad day. Yeah. Their name's kind of on the job, but it's really my name. So it doesn't matter. And if they start doing shoddy work because they're having a bad day, that's going to cost me some money and I'm not okay with that. Right. Mm -hmm. I agree. And, so, you know, one, yeah. of, one of the other things when it comes to hiring, and, and this is something that, you know, maybe you have some advice here as well, is that one of the things I would always ask is, especially with an apprentice, as you had mentioned, and, and this sounds like an odd question, and we, we have to be really careful nowadays what we ask employees because of all these laws and rules we have. But one of the things I would ask them is what their father did for a living. And, 
people would look at me and say, why in the world do you care what his dad did for a living? Because mm-hmm. my dad was a hand, my dad was a setter. He was a handyman. And he taught me everything. He taught me carpentry. He taught me electricity, electrical or plumbing, everything. It kind of rubs off on you. So if that individual has some type of, you know, hand skills, you know, uh, mm-hmm. generally that, that helps me a lot. Do you find the same thing? Uh, I think that's a great question to ask. Um, yeah, I, I totally believe that because my guy didn't have, he'd never touched a tool really before he started with me. So he was green beyond green. Like he was still probably yellow. <laughs> um, so he, he, and he's come a long way, you know, like he can make cuts and use the saws with confidence and stuff like that now. But yeah, that was not something that was in his family. So where I got it from was my uncles all like their, my grandfather all taught them how to, they could build a house from the ground up. They, both of them have actually done it. And then my, my dad, well, he worked for the state crunching numbers and stuff and some crazy computer system on the weekends, he would do home repairs on his own. He was wrenching on the car to keep it up, like fixed up and stuff. And I was out there doing those things. So when I went to school and I did those woodworking classes that kind of got me to do wood flooring in general, that I, it was a much easier transition for me. And then being able to come into the wood flooring industry, I knew how to use the tools. I just had to learn the flooring part. I didn't have to learn everything. So, right. yeah, if you can find somebody that has these basic hand skills, that would be great. And, I mean, look, there's a whole other discussion that we could go on for hours about is how Absolutely. the trades aren't taught in schools anymore. And these kids are missing out on so many opportunities because they don't have access to be able to use their hands. And how many of them would be amazing at it if they just had a semester to, to wrench on something? You know, that's so true. I know, uh, I'm sure you know who Mike Rowe is and, uh, you know, he's got a big movement. He's got a big movement right now with, you know, there's, there's, and, and I don't want, I don't want people and folks out there to get me wrong in any way. I mean, college is good, but let's face it, not everybody's college material. And these trades are, are so, there's such a shortage right now in trades, not only in the flooring industry, but also in, in, in the construction trades across the board. And, I, I know I know guys that have you know advanced degrees that went back to the trades because first of all they couldn't get a job in their field and second of all they're making more money in the trades. I mean people like oh, welders correct. and you know so it's it's so uh, you know let's not look down on the trades. It's the trades are you know hey without the trades we wouldn't be living in houses. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't be working well, exactly. in buildings. You know. <laughs> and well, you know, someone's got to be able to put your toilet in, you know. Like, That's right, exactly. It, 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 <laughs> I, I'm I'm okay with like I this this is going to sound kind of bad. I'm okay with there being a lack of tradesmen because that's going to benefit all of the current tradesmen. The right. the price is going to go up, but we do need young help. We can't keep up with it as is, and there's not robots to do it yet. And I don't know that you can ever really get a robot to do everything that we do. So, no. you know, we, we need to get people involved and, you know, guys like Mike Rowe and I know the um, World Floor Covering Association has come up with their new foundation to promote training and stuff. If we can get all of these bodies working together, we should be okay. But in my opinion, it starts on the front lines. It's great the manufacturers want to be involved and they're throwing money at it and there's this guy doing this and that guy doing that. We as installers, we are the front line. 
If yep. we don't change it, nothing's going to change. So we have absolutely. to go and promote it. I, I agree. That's that's absolutely true. And you know, I always use the analogy. You know, you can. I mean, training is good. Don't get me wrong. Training is good. Certification is good. There's nothing wrong with that. But when a guy gets trained and he gets certified, that doesn't mean he's going to be able to go in. The example I use is this. If you're going to become a doctor, you go through four years and get your undergraduate degree. Then you go into medical school another four years. Then you do an internship and then a residency. You're really not a doctor for, what, 10, 15 years? Correct. <laughs> Even after you, after you get that degree. And it's the same, it's the same here. You know, I mean, obviously it's on the job training just like it is for a doctor, but, uh, you know, it's it, it's something that we have to, as, as trade people, to request. And, uh, you know, all the associations I'm involved with, uh, the ones you're involved with, are starting to look at that. And I'm, I'm glad to see that. But it does start from from us. I, I agree with you 100 percent. Correct. And I know I, I've got to go ahead. No, I was going to say, finish your thought. And I want to switch gears a little bit here after your thought. Okay. I was going to say, I've got a buddy out in Ohio that's trying to get something going where he's going to get a bunch of guys gathered, like a bunch of tradespeople gathered into a flooring store he can borrow. And he'll just kind of talk shop. And it, it, he wants to get it to the point where he's not only trying to educate them and get them certified, things like that, but to start promoting like, hey, Let's go talk with the high schools. Let's try and get involved. Let's see if we can host classes here on the weekend and we'll teach them the trade or, you know, we, we teach them stuff during the year on the weekends. And then during the summer, we give them internships or we bring them out and we get them paid to start helping us so that by when they get out of high school, they've already got a career path that they want it. You know, how so do you handle it? Little, yeah, I, I agree. You, you know, know I, I was just going to say, like, guys could start that all across the country. You can all start your own little chapters and stuff like that, and you're going to make a, a difference. You know, one one of the things I'm wondering if you've run into, I know I've run into it, and I've talked to a lot of contractors that, that have run into this, is that, you know, I, I bring an apprentice on, you know, I'm teaching them all my tricks of the trade, so, so to speak. Am I concerned that he's going to go out and start his own business? How do you handle that? Or, no. or is that a fear of yours, I should say? Um, depends. So some guys are going to freak out about it, but the uh, who is it? It's Richard Branson, the, the Virgin Airways guy. He says, yep, um, yep. Tra- train them so, they'll, so they can leave, but pay them so they'll stay is essentially the, the quote. You know, <laughs> If I can train somebody that's going to do work at the level that I feel is acceptable, which in my opinion is rather high, and that per and my apprentice leaves me, then I'm okay with that because he should be going into the marketplace with that same mindset that he's going to do top-notch work for top-notch pay, and he should bring that bar up. But if I'm training hacks, then yes, I would be worried. Right. But you know, the one other thing, and I, I think you mentioned this in one of your emails to me or messages to me, is that a lot of times a good technician is not a good business person. And I know that's what yeah. I've found out over the years. I have guys that, well, you know, look at all the money Fred's making. You know, he doesn't understand comp insurance, the liability insurance, the vehicle insurances, the, the, all the overhead that goes into it. He's seeing, you know, he's making X amount of dollars on this job. They, they don't see that. So I, I think a lot of that fear sometimes is, you know, let's look at that individual. He might be the greatest technician in the world, but can he run a business? 
What's your thoughts there? Uh, there's there's way too many guys out there running businesses that shouldn't. But look at the just look at the landscape. How many times a day can you go on Facebook into any of these flooring groups, and someone's complaining right. that they got undercut or that this guy's doing this and that guy's doing that? So one, I've just stopped even kind of paying attention to it, and I just say you need to charge what you're worth and know your numbers, which which is true. But right, you you can't. A lot of guys don't understand how to run a business, and they're good with their hands. That's great. Right. You can make good money if you find the right employer, and if you can convince – if you have a smart employer, they should know that they can go out and charge more to pay you more so that you can continue doing top-notch work, and you don't have to make sacrifices. You don't have to cut corners. So it kind of goes it, – it, it goes both ways. Like You've got to be able to work together to make everybody happy. Um, and we have to stop allowing, we have to educate the consumer so that flooring is not a commodity because right. that's what it's come when in fact, flooring is a luxury item. Well, most flooring is going to be, you right. know, I would consider it a luxury item. You know, you don't have yeah. to have it in your home. You would be right. okay with the, with the plywood subfloor, the OSB subfloor, like you're going <laughs> right. to get by. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's so true. So let, let's switch gears a little bit. Since we're talking employees, let's kind of stay on that subject. I think it's a really great subject. Okay. Uh, and let's talk about how do we keep our employees? You know, what are some of the things, you know, that, that, that you have done uh, or you can suggest that, you know, to keep good employees? Uh, I think you got to pay them what they're worth. So, you know, if you're going to start them out at a decent wage and set expectations of where they, they get raises so they know what's going to happen. So if if there if you start them at fifteen and then the next raise is going to be to sixteen dollars, well, how do I get there? What do I have to know how to do? What skills do I have to acquire? And so you got to break down where the increases are and what's going to happen. And then you could do other little things. Um, my financial advisor has a way to get small companies like me four hundred one k's for our employees. So I could go talk with him and get that set up. I don't know if it's a requirement that you have to match, but it's not going to look bad. You know, how many other construction companies in your area that are like mom and pop shops offer their employees 401ks and will match a percentage? And they don't. So, yep. Exactly. So you're going to set yourself apart. Who, who isn't going to want to work for you? Now you're paying a, a top wage and you're helping with retirement. The, the financial advisor can also come on board and do like consults on getting them directed in the right direction to like invest their money, things like that. Um, I, what else could you do? I, you could um, you offer paid time off. You know, yeah, it's, it's tough to bite that bullet. And I'll be honest, I don't do it yet because generally I'm working on the holidays. Like right. it's a, it's a, it's easy for me. So yeah, I generally only like the only holidays I guarantee myself off are Thanksgiving and Christmas every year. But if I can sit there and pay the eight or 10 like national holidays every year and book my schedules around it, then I'm going to have happier employees. They're going to, and then, you, right. can, you know, you get that paid time, you get that sick leave, um, maybe some vacation time the, you got to entice them with what you get at every other place in every other industry, you know, I can go work at McDonald's and start getting vacation and sick time. Right. Absolutely. So, so why, why do I want to work for the construction guy? 
potentially paying me less than what McDonald's is paying these days, and I don't right, get really. any of those benefits. <laughs> exactly. You know, one one of the things I wanted to I wanted to mention. Uh, I don't know whether you'd consider this a mistake or not, but one of the things that I used to do and I stopped doing it, and I'll, let me tell you what it is and I'll tell you why I stopped doing it. And that's when it came to certain bonuses. Now I'm not saying, you know, you don't give your employees a Christmas bonus or something like that, but I always used to give my employees extra bonuses if they finished a job quicker, uh, if you know, for whatever reason. And what I discovered over time is that if I did that too often, they came to expect it. You know, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a, uh, oh, well, if I do this job really, really good. And, you know, and a lot of times they would make mistakes because they were trying to finish up early or whatever. And, you know, by law, you can't dock them for, for those type of things. But uh, the, the bonuses became somewhat of a, uh, this isn't working out really well. One of the things, and I want your opinion on that, but before I do, uh, one of the things I, I think a lot of employers do not do and it's something that won't cost you a thing and it makes all the difference in the world to an employee is a simple thank you at the end of the day. Oh, definitely. So what's, uh, what's your just, thought? Yeah. I mean, a thank you is going to go a long way on anything. Please thank you all day long. If I'm asking somebody to go grab me a tool so I can keep working, please can you give me the tool? Thank you for handing it to me. You know, right. when you're making demands, you're, yes, you're the boss, you're in a position of authority, but you don't need to make them feel belittled. So a please and a thank you kind of, it's not putting them on an equal level, but it's just polite. So those right. are going to go a long way no matter what. As for bonuses, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think incentivizing it like that is probably not the best way to go. Now, right. if you were going to incentivize something, you could say, hey, if everybody, you know, if we go – injury-free for 30 days and then 90 days and then 180 days and then a year, like we'll have a little party at each of the milestones. Or right. if we don't get any callbacks for this quarter, we'll, you know, I'll give everybody a $300 bonus or something like that. You know, you, if you put incentives on things that are going to make quality go up, I agree with it. But to get the job done quicker, I think you're asking for trouble. Yep, absolutely. And that's what I discovered. So what about the issue with should your employee be your friend? That's something that comes up a lot. I get that question a lot too. And I'd, I'd like to know what your opinion is there. I have absolutely no problem with it, but you can't do it with everyone because you need to understand that when we're at work, we're at work. And right. when we're outside of work, we're outside of work. And not a lot of people can make that, like, they can't distinguish between the two. And they're going right. to try and get chummy, buddy, buddy, chummy, chummy with you. And they're, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, but we were out drinking last night. It was fun. And we can, I can do whatever I want, show up late, and it's not going to be a big deal. Well, no. That was outside of this. And this, like, they can exist mutually exclusive of each other. So, you, you've got to, if you're going to do it, you need to make sure it's with somebody that can do it. Um, the, the safest way is just don't do it. There's a way to hang out with your employees and, and be a mentor and, you know, be a, be a role model for them and set an example, but you don't have to go all out and be friends and hang out on the weekends and stuff like that. You can keep it limited to work functions. And if you throw like an annual party or something like that, you can interact on a, 
on a level, but still keep it like separate. Yeah, and I, and I think I, I agree with you 100 percent. I think a lot of times and I don't want to get into this subject, but I just kind of want to throw it out there. I think a lot of times that becomes a that becomes an issue sometimes when you have family members working for you or with you. Uh, you, you get into, I, I see that all the time with family run businesses and and even with I don't know if you have a partner or not, but I've had a few partners in my life. And, you know, it's probably a topic for a whole nother show, but uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of that as well. Oh, it's, it's, you're asking for a can of worms because you're both going to yep. see things differently. So, like, the way I, I'm, I'm structured, my name's the only one on the paperwork. I love my wife to death, but we're going to have disagreements enough with the household. We don't need to disagree about the business. Yep. So exactly. I, I, she, she, she'll step in. She'll pick up supplies for me, stuff like that, make some runs. But I I own the business. I, I run the business, and that's the easiest way to, to do it. But she wears the pants in the house and I'm okay with that yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's tough sometimes, especially if you're a person, you know, the type of guy that's just a friendly personality. And, uh, you know, and I, again, some of the hard, hard lessons I've learned over the years is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're plus when you're, when you're not working and you want to be home, you know, with your kids and your wife or, or whatever, you, you know, you don't want to deal with the, the employee issues, you know, you want your own time. And that's the way I would handle that, you know? Um, my time yeah, is my weekend. No, my my time is my time, and your time is your time. You know, when we're at work, we're at work. You know, so anyway, well, well, we're running to the end here, uh, uh, Kyle. But uh, for, do you have any last minute thoughts before we sign off here? Um, no, man. I, I appreciate you having me on. I think you know my my big thing is you got to continue your education. So if you don't know how to run a business, go get a book. Pick up any audio book, any book. Just pick something up, um, marketing, sales, leadership, something, I don't care what. And if you only gain 10% from it, you're better off than you were when you started. And Absolutely. So, and, it, you know, and then same thing with, with whatever you do in flooring. Go learn something. Continue to learn. I don't care if you've been doing it for 40 years and that's the way you've always done it. There's a better way. There's better equipment. There's better tools. There's better materials. There's better something. Go go learn about it and and figure it out. And you're gonna continue to advance yourself and do better work. Absolutely agree with you 100%. I mean the the industries, all the construction trade industries are changing at a rapid pace with what you said: new equipment, new techniques, new materials. So uh, because, get educated. I, I think that's great advice. Well, Kyle, I'd like to thank you for being on. Uh, it was great. Some, some great advice and uh, keep in touch and uh, perhaps we'll touch on uh, some other subjects in a little bit later, later time. We'll do. I appreciate it, Fred. Do uh, you mind if I, if I plug something real quick? I'll go right ahead. All right. So I run the floor Academy and floor floor education podcast. One is for professionals for Academy for education is for homeowners to get educated. You can find it on any of the major podcast directories, and I will be sure to have you on soon so that we can get both professionals and homeowners educated about Kyle and Stone. Would love that. And so what, just, what, what is that again? How do people search for that podcast? Uh, it's just it's Floor Academy is for okay. professionals, and Floor Education is F L O O R E D dash u dash cation it's it's floor education but split up great 
And so you Sounds can search for either one of those on uh, any of the major podcast directories. So thank you for having right. me on. I appreciate it. No problem, Kyle. Hopefully I'll see if you're going to be at Coverings in New Orleans. I'll be there. So let's uh, say hi if you're going to be there. Will do. All righty. Take care, Kyle. Right. You too. Bye. All righty, folks. So there's some, uh, you know, some some really good, uh, good information uh, from Kyle there. Uh, you know, especially you guys that are out there, you know, with with empl- you know, hiring employees, keeping employees, or, or whatever. Uh, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. But if you, anybody has uh, any additional questions, the number is three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. That's three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. And even if it's not a question, if it's a comment or you know, some advice, you know, please feel free to, to call in. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break here for station identification, like they used to say, and I'll be right back with some further information. Be right back. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains, Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tough Skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tough Skin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F SkinProtection.com to learn more. All right, folks. Uh, a couple of uh, other additional announcements, and I want to expand a little bit on the class I have coming up as well. Uh, just let me repeat what I did at the beginning of the show. I still have some of the stone and tile stickers left. I'm going to be giving away a, a prize worth $500 uh, next month. So uh, if you want to get involved in that, uh, just go ahead and send me your mailing address and uh put the sticker on your truck, on your toolbox or whatever, send me a photograph of it, and I'm going to pick the best photograph and uh, you'll win that $500 value prize. Uh, You can send it to my email, which is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Okay, now I said I'm going to be offering uh, two seminars coming up here in June in Florida at the Stone and Tile School in DeBerry, Florida, which if you don't know where that is, it's just north of, of Orlando. One is going to be my popular uh, inspection, stone and tile inspection and troubleshooting class. I do one every year in Vegas, but I've been getting a lot of requests for uh, bringing one to the south here in Florida on the east coast, so I'm going to be offering it there. The class size is limited, so uh, if you want to uh, get into that class, I would highly recommend that you get registered as soon as you can. Basically, just uh, send me an email or or give me a telephone call on my website, stoneforensics.com, is all the information uh, you need to know about it. It's a four-day class. Um, The historic stone and tile restoration class is going to be held uh, the following, that Friday. So the inspection class runs Monday through Thursday, and the historic class is going to run all day on Friday. Uh, I know a lot of you guys in the restoration business are looking to to get into that lucrative part of the uh, restoration business. And just to, you know, expand on some of the topics that I'll be covering in that seminar. Of course, we're going to talk about what really is historic restoration. Uh, what's real important with historic restoration is the standards, uh, who you're dealing with, not only architects, but conservators, et cetera. We'll talk about methods for repair and maintenance. 
We'll talk about masonry cleaning, you know, both stone, masonry, brick, et cetera. And then we'll, we'll address all the problems associated with uh, with that, you know, stain removal, long-term effects, how you deal with it. And very importantly, uh, and more importantly than anything, is to learn how to talk to historic architects and conservators, because the terminology is going to be a little bit different uh, than what you guys are used to doing. And let me give you just a quick example. One example is when we use the word grinding and honing. That particular, those particular words, grinding and honing, are actually swear words in a historic uh, arena. So uh, you want to know more, take the class and you'll find out why we don't use those particular uh, particular terms. It's a very sour note when it comes to uh, doing historic stone and, and tile work. So uh, anyway, uh, again, I want to remind everyone to uh, check out my Facebook page. Just go to Stone Forensics every Friday. I, I post a failure Friday uh, there as well. And uh, in the meantime, if you know anybody that wants to be interviewed on the on the show, uh, have them drop me a line, and we'll get in here and get you interviewed. And as I said, you know, the reason I do this is to educate everybody, and uh, hopefully we did that today with Kyle. So, folks, uh, until next week, thanks for listening. Uh, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine-quality, environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone, and Touchstone Adhesives. More Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.